Hello and welcome to the Guilty Pleasure Podcast, the podcast that celebrates and elaborates on our odd interests. I'm Amanda Salvatore. And I'm Jackie Rayal Bell. And today's guest was Vitamin G, who is a fantastic DJ who has headlined a bunch of festivals in the United States. Um, he's also one half of the duo Fresh Meat. He's a good friend of mine. You guys should totally check out his SoundCloud, Vitamin hyphen G. And we talked about, appropriately, uh, music and festivals. It was a really wonderful conversation and we think you guys will truly enjoy it. Yeah, and stay tuned after the podcast is done because we have a set by Vitamin G for you to hang out and listen to. If you'd like to reach us, uh, you could reach us at our email, guiltypleasurepodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Guilty Pleasure Podcast. But more importantly, if you're feeling in the holiday festive Mm. mood... Guys, leave us a review on iTunes. It's a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful gift. Just say, hey, guys, listen to your podcast. We really love it. We really like Vitamin G's mix. It was so great. We loved it. And me and Amanda will read it, and it'll make us feel all warm and tingly inside. So warm, so tingly. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit NerdistSchool.com. Hi, Frank. Hi, Amanda. What are you doing? Just making this promo for our podcast. You mean the novice and Frank present a comic book podcast? Exactly. Wait, what's it about? So glad you asked. It's where a comic book novice and a comic book expert discuss comics and media with special guests. A novice and an expert? Which one am I? Uh, you're the expert, Frank. I knew that. Sure. Check out new episodes every Wednesday on the Nerdist School Network and subscribe on Podbean and iTunes. And tell us what we should read next at thenoviceandfrank at gmail.com. See? You are an expert. You just like now just dumped all the things on your person on the table. We have your you Apple know, Watch, your passport, your wallet. No, sitting on a wall like this, you'll end up a sciatica problem. So you gotta, that happened once. You are fun. ready to travel. Oh, I love it. Pocket game strong. Nice. Welcome to the podcast, Thank you. friend. Glad, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. We, uh, we're we so excited to talk to you. All right. We are. So Griff, what is your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure and what we'd like to be talking about today is uh, music and more specifically music festivals and how I've uh, experienced that over the last four years. Woo! Wonderful. I am so excited to talk about this topic because I do not frequent music festivals. And there's a part of me who thinks now that I'm in my early 30s, my time has gone. My time has passed. And like I'm too old to be like, I'll be like, ah, standing in a field. But I, I'm also a huge music fan and i used to go to a ton of concerts when i was uh in my youth well i was uh, i was brought into this this crazy world by uh, people in their late 40s who are now in their early 50s nice so there's still hope for me not yeah. only is there still hope there's uh there's all <laughs> kinds of things that you've got to uh, to experience when was your first music festival which one was your first music it festival was, uh april 9th 2014 wow. 2014 and which festival was that it was leyenda eterna that's oh. the one in Mexico, right? That is in Mexico. I've heard of this festival. So Griff and I, we we, we we roll around with the same cats. Right. We roll around with the same group of Frequent friends. Frequent the same haunts. Like Frequent the same haunts. Yeah. Um, that's how we know each other. Yeah. And because, uh, you know, I go to Burning Man and Coachella and all those festivals. Yeah, we're both weird. We can be friends. Yes, exactly. So Leyenda, from my understanding, is this festival in Mexico where, like, you need to know the longitude and latitude to get there. See. Oh. You can't actually just plug in, like, Leyenda into Waze and actually go there. Like, you have to... Like basically drive off the road and end up there. Yep, it's about uh, wow an hour to an hour and a half across a dry lake bed, and then you've got to have a four wheel drive. That's yep. great. So, how did you even hear about this? So, in uh, 20, 2012, 2012, by the way, that's going to waste a lot of our time going forward in the two thousands if we keep saying two thousand and twelve. So we'll go yeah. twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah, we'll do nice. that now for brevity. <laughs> um, so I was in the navy, and I had just I. I was in San Diego for a few months in between uh, being stationed in Japan and going to the Middle East. I met a guy at a bar to make a story relatively short, and we hung out at another at another point, excuse me, and we kind of ended up at a party that we weren't exactly invited to, but had been told we should show up to, and we knew no one. Um, I ended up meeting some of the people there, 
and became such good friends with them that I moved back to California when I got out of the, of the Navy. And they took me to a music festival a few months later, and that was Leyenda. So wow. you just like went like with your little like bag of tricks and your little festival gear, and you're like, okay, show me what this is like. I took a girl that I uh, was not dating and had not hung out with very often down to Mexico. <laughs> nice. We had a, it's a uh, way to get to know each other. Indeed. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, it's thrown at a private hot spring uh, called Guadalupe Canyon. So there's about 60 hot tubs, about 600 people, and about 50 DJs. Whoa. That's incredible. So what was the first experience like? Magic, I guess, would be the uh, the term that comes to mind. Um, so Leyenda Turnitz, 2014. Uh, I had never been to a music festival. I had a pretty good uh, idea of what I was getting into because uh, the people that had invited me were actually the people that throw this festival, uh, Arturo and uh, Drew and... Uh, there's a whole cohort of people that make it happen, but those are the, the people that I was familiar with. It's a little hard to explain, but it's four days in a private and very secluded canyon uh, full of palm trees with a mountain at the head of the canyon. And there's been a forest fire there before, so all of the palm trees are black. Oh, oh wow. It's a, it's a shocking and stunning scene. And uh, spending three days with uh, with California's... Uh, you know, mix and matched bag of, of talented and beautiful people uh, who all have been doing this for, I think this year was the 11th year. Dang. So it's it's got quite a uh, community around it, and there's uh, just a lot of positivity going on That's in a awesome. way that, uh, that kind of magnifies throughout the weekend as you all kind of experience that and bond together. What would you say makes that uh, that festival? So that was your first festival that you had uh, been to do were you always when you were younger were you going to a ton of different concerts and things like that or was this a very new experience for you uh it was definitely a new experience uh i had not been a huge concert goer uh the first concert i ever went to was actually janet jackson the velvet rope uh amazing <laughs> yeah really can we just <laughs> that's go a little... awesome that's so cool it's magic uh, on halloween in like 1992 or something like that yes. so to loop around to that my mother had gone back to school to get her master's in uh, in Houston in the early 90s. And she had a professor, uh, her ceramics professor, who uh, his name is Eric Stevenson, and he still runs uh, Lunar Burn Studios in, sh- in Chicago these days, uh, who was an early attendee and uh, patron of not only Burning Man, but uh, the early roots of SantaCon in the U.S. Oh, my God. Oh among God. other things. Oh, my so, God. So uh, I got some stories about Santa Con. Unbeknownst to me at the time, I was, I don't know, eight or something along those lines. My mother took my brother, his friend, and I to a uh, Equinox party uh, on a deserted beach called Black's Beach. Oh, Equinox, not like the gym. Equinox as in like something that actually happens with a planet. Right, right, right. Like the astrological. I was just like, oh, all right. I guess like it's a very fancy gym. Right, right. I mean, like uh, that's kind of what we're coming up to with Christmas and the whole that whole deal is the return of the sun getting longer every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure if she knew exactly what we were getting into. I'm not sure if that matters. But we ended up on a deserted beach, which was a regional Burning Man party in the early 90s. Oh. So, oh. Okay, so just FYI, just for your for your reference, b- regional Burning Man party in the early 90s is like, what the fuck? Like, that's not where <laughs> kids should go. That's like insane, insane things. I bet. Yeah. So this was a uh, it was a very different experience than than what I've seen the regional Burning Man parties today. Um, this is you know a time before LEDs existed. Um, this was mostly topless old Texas hippies with really wild art. Uh, you know a school bus with a stage on top of it and a thirty foot high man made out of chicken wire and all kinds of things. And then they showed us the game that they were playing, uh, which was called Fireball or still is I guess, in which they take large amounts of cotton fabric, basically T-shirts, socks, underwear. And uh, rip it into shreds and then uh, sew a knot in the middle and wrap it very tightly into about a softball-sized ball. Soak it in diesel. Oh, my God. Everyone puts on welded gloves, and you basically play Ultimate Frisbee with a (gasps) flaming fireball at night. What? How old were you? You were eight? Something around eight, ten, something like that. All right, so that was like your first. Pre-pubes. (laughs) Pre-pubes. That was your first festival, Pre-pubes, and then the next pubes. one you went to was Landa. I guess technically that was it was a one night, uh, you know, party. I guess, but uh, that's insane. Were you? What were? Yeah. What was going through your head as an eight year old, or or however old you were? What was going through your head watching all these things? Um, 
cool. Yeah. <laughs> like fucking it fire. Was, uh, yeah. I mean, like, hey, these people know how to party. I'm like, what's up? Um, was there something in 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 watching that you were like, I'm going to do this later. Like, right. this is well, a possibility. We, yeah, we we quickly did. Uh, I think a, a year, maybe the next year, we were throwing that party at our property for a couple years. Uh, like, so I got some old underwear. Hold on yeah, a second. Yeah, give me the scissors. <laughs> What's up? Hand me that needle and thread. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, so I, there's got to be pictures of this somewhere. But if uh, if you were to look at pictures of Burning Man in like 90, 1996, 7, and 8, about half of the art cars uh, that are there were actually at my house that year as well. Whoa. For these parties. Yeah, we had three acres in uh, Pasadena, Texas. So uh, the second year that we did this, we lived uh, two miles from Ellington Air Force Base, which is in uh, Pasadena, Texas, or Clear Lake, Texas. And uh, that's where NASA does a lot of their testing for different things. So they had a reject batch of the ablative tiles on the underside of the space shuttle, the black tiles that yeah. uh, actually they actually erode as the, uh, as the space shuttle reenters the atmosphere. So they had a, a batch of those that I guess didn't pass the testing. So they were throwing them away. Somehow or another, my mom got word of this, drove over there, and got a pickup truck full of space shuttle tiles. Oh, that's so... I, <laughs> what? This is, like, right up my alley. Oh, it is so far up my alley, it was parked <laughs> in my garage, I tell you. It, uh, so what then ended up happening is we made a wood-burning kiln in my backyard out of space shuttle tiles. Sure. And then got uh, two cords of wood split, delivered, in the back of my, in my backyard. And then this this guy, the ceramics professor, had actually uh, dug and mixed this clay from the ground, uh, and we fired things that we made. He made me this beautiful salt glazed goblet that is somewhere in a box in my brother's garage in Texas, probably. Um, wow. And it took until about three in the morning of, of feeding this fire tons of wood till it got hot enough to actually f- uh, f- fire 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 fire. It's a yeah. simple word for. That's a dual meaning of fire. I never really think of, right? Yeah, yeah. fire and yeah. fire and also mm-hmm. fire. Like, the English like language the, is I like crazy. The, I like the rare usages of words. My favorite's career, right? Like to career down a mountain. What? Yeah, career? like if, if you were to like jauntily like fly down a uh, think of like a box cart race down yeah. the side of a mountain, like you could technically that is careering. Oh, I thought it was careening. I thought it was oh. careening. It's careering. Career. Oh, oh shit! Looked it up. Yeah. I looked it Double up. Double usage. Nice. I'm uh, incorporating it. Back to space shuttle fires. Um, sure. Just, <laughs> although I guess Challenger, that was R.I.P. R.I.P. Pour one out. Yeah. So, so after that, a year or two later, after we were throwing these regional parties uh, in Texas, which is most people would even think of and is wild even today, um, we moved to Canada. Sure. There you and go. Completely lost touch and kind of forgot mainly about the whole thing. Um, somewhere around 10 years later, I ended up in the Navy in San Diego. Someone took me to Cava Lounge, and I see all these people with pockets and tails, and they're really nice. And they're talking about Burning Man. And it all kind of loops back around. And I'm like, wait, click. Uh, I've done this before. Oh, <laughs> I've done this wild. before. Well, so the very, yeah, first, for the very first time I went to Burning Man, I was on the Burner Express, and I was, uh, you know, very like, you know, I was feeling like, like I was in over a little bit of my head, you know, like I was a little nervous because I'd never been to a festival like this before, and I just come from New York, and it had been like a 15 hour flight because I do a bunch of connections, and in front of me in the bus was this like five year old kid with his dad, and like he turns around and starts talking to me and my friend Seth. And he goes, this is my third burn. That was you. <laughs> oh my god. That was you. You were that little kid You're that's that like little kid. I know what I'm getting into. Right, right, right. Let me tell you about it. Did ended he give you advice? A, uh, <laughs> ended up at a house party I wasn't invited to, really, and uh said, you know, hold on, I have to go to the Middle East for a year. But I'll be back because cool. <laughs> I'm coming back, don't you worry. Right. And uh moved to California. Actually, so as I was driving here today, I kind of went right down the the exactly four years ago, I was out of the military, had kind of like decompressed at my brother's house for a month, hopped on a flight to L.A. and was staying right at the street. Oh, wow. And so in, uh, for about a week while I was in L.A., I basically walked from where I was staying to here, which was in mid-city, rented a bike, biked down to Venice, just kind of explored. So it was a nice little uh, tour down memory lane 
of uh, coming at here. my four-year anniversary in California. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. I'm glad we yep. could help out with that. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. So this is nice. So you've just kind of given us a nice positive experience from festivals. Because right. that's why people go. Because festivals can have this magical ability to bring people together, people you never thought that you would ever meet or interact with in your entire life. Like right. that's one of the things, beautiful things about Burning Man, one of the things I love about festivals. But on the flip side, to outsiders, festivals have a bit of this negative connotation. Sure. Which or which are like, oh, those are crazy hippies and I don't want anything to do with them. So I think that's kind of where the guilty component comes in. Do you agree? I'd say that there's like the uh the guilty component has uh has changed and kind of morphed as I've gone through. There was definitely not as much of a guilty component for the first uh, several years. It was like, wow, right? Mm -hmm. Like more, awesome. And uh, I think as it's just personally, or at least where I'm at in my life right now, uh, I haven't changed enough as a person to expect different results. Mm -hmm. So like it's diminishing returns for me at the moment. Last year I did something around 14 big festivals and then maybe six or something smaller things this year i did two and pretty happy with that being it do you think do you think that like uh because it just takes so much out of 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 you it like takes too much from you or you feel depleted after them or is it just that you're busy or why do you think that dialing it back is 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 beneficial so, uh, and I, I was speaking to a friend of mine uh, last night about this as well. I'm not sure if it's a, an age thing whatsoever, but when you find any new thing, there's a uh, a learning curve. And it's you can fairly quickly get to, let's just say, 60% proficiency in, in whatever it is. Like if you've never ridden a bike before, you can get to the point where you can ride the bike down the street fairly quickly. And that's that's the majority of what you need to learn. However, to, to master it, you know, takes a lifetime. Mm -hmm. That last 40% is much, much harder. It takes much more time. So I think with most of my hobbies and things, once I get to that point where it becomes frustrating, or I'm getting diminishing returns, mm -hmm. I'll kind of put it down for a while. Um, but specifically for festivals, I uh, I very clearly used to remember leaving festivals, even the, the, the harder ones, even where you treat yourself a little bit uh, less nicely than you should. You still, I, 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 you know, I used to leave with a sense of rejuvenation, soul or spirit, some kind of reju, like I used to be ready to take on the next week, even if I was, you know, really tired. Mm -hmm. And uh, the last year, I've just been leaving really tired. And like, it's just true. Like you can get into the festival mindset really easily, but to get out of it and to kind of go back to normal life is really hard actually, because you go through this experience that's super, generally a good experience with friends and you know, you're just like going, going, going. And then just to make that switch, it's kind of depressing. That's what we, we, we had a Burning Man episode um, really early on in the podcast. And, and we were talking about that as well, saying how people kind of like you have what happens at the festival and then in the you're like back in the real world right. and dealing with that. And I think that can be equated to most people. Like uh, I think everyone's, at least in their early 20s, uh, favored at a bar, right? Like they'll mm -hmm. go to a bar, they get comfortable, they know the bouncer, they know that bartender, right? But when you first go there, it's you know it's, it's nothing but uh, possibilities. You don't know anybody, and you kind of build from there. At a certain point, not that I've by any means like mastered or become completely proficient, but uh, once you know enough people, it becomes more running into friends all the time as opposed to meeting a whole lot of new people. And like I said before, it's mostly just how you do it. Like there are people that, that do, for instance, Burning Man's the best example, every different kind of way. You know, there are people that go there just to go meditate for days on end, which is... I don't know how you can meditate with fucking music bumping the entire fucking time but all right liquid drum and bass i don't know <laughs> so. there are also people that go there to run marathons yeah really? yeah, yeah. You can run a marathon there sadists why yeah. would you why? masochists there are also people that, that bring their kids there yeah. right like, even bigger know. masochists yeah seriously condoms people <laughs> yeah wrap that up so you don't have cheaper. to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so real. what so given that you've gone to so many festivals I know that you've gone there as as different roles, not only as an attendee, but you've also been a medic. You've also done production stuff. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? I've always been uh, someone who likes to get, get involved and kind of take the reins and, and learn. Uh, I was always fascinated by uh, by you know who's who's putting this on. How is that done? You know, just in general, I'm a, I'm a curious curious fuck. 
I don't remember exactly where I started and what roles. Uh, but, you know, at first I was going to these different music festivals. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd been DJing in the past for that point 10 years or something like that before, but never super seriously, never on the scale, and never specifically the kinds of music that I hear out there. Let's just go through the roles and then I can kind of get into those as we as we feel fit. Sure. Um, I've done uh, medical at, I don't know, say eight different festivals or something like that. Uh, I've been a DJ at somewhere around 12. I'm kind of throwing these numbers out there, but it sounds about right. 12 festivals at least, something like that. I've done uh, technical management. I've done stage management. And that was actually a big goal. I went to my first lightning in a bottle and said, I want to work for Dulab and check that off my list. Which was amazing and a great experience. What else have I done? I've uh, helped throw the festivals. I've done power. I've done sound. I've done lighting. I've done, I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to find something that needs doing that I haven't done, whether it be running the parking lot or, uh, or you know, various other slightly suspicious festival-type things that need to be done, kicking people out that have snuck in. I mean, the stories are endless there. But, uh, yeah, I, I do like the fact that I was able to, and not that I'm done with this by any means, but... Uh, Able to kind of get that perspective from from all different sides, which I think uh, does give me some authority. At least they're all my opinions, but gives me authority at least to speak from those perspectives, mm-hmm. um, and also know what it takes to throw a festival. Yeah, I, one of my questions is, um, I want to know how you started as a DJ, but also like what makes a good festival. Those are like the two main things that I think are like I have no concept of right (laughs) so when how did you start ending up DJing so I uh I went to high school in in Waterloo Ontario at Waterloo Collegiate Institute and uh, shout out yeah shout out Waterloo I I think they had like a 10-year reunion or something I hope I hope everyone's doing good I don't know (laughs) Uh, I'll go to the 20 maybe I don't know uh me and my brother and my friend Mikey Delian were uh we're playing hooky from school and Drove to Toronto for the day just to, I don't know. Sure. We were good at screwing around. Well, then we uh, we got bored in Toronto and literally drove to Detroit. Oh, uh, you know. Just another you Tuesday. Know, had mom's car, had had gas money. Uh, and passports, I'm passport, assuming. passport, yeah. What's up? So we, were, we didn't quite want to cross the border to go back home yet. And for some reason or another, we stopped at a thrift store. I couldn't tell you why. They couldn't either. We're walking around, and I see a turntable. I was 15 years old. It was pretty cheap. I bought it. I didn't even know at the time that I needed to go buy needles. I didn't even I didn't know nothing about this. Yeah. Uh, but I've always been a, a techie kind of nerd kind of let's hook it up and see what happens. Um, so after acquiring some needles or a a, uh, a record needle and finding some vinyl, finally got this thing hooked up. And it was a belt drive, new mark, something really old. So within about four months or something like that, I had bought a mixer and uh, you know assembled uh, a lot of music in a laptop of a generation one iPod which was brand new at the time nice and it hooked all these up yeah and um, (laughs) and a couple months later I was DJing a fashion show which was great yeah it was super cool Uh, but at the time I had always been really into not just music or performance it's really all comes from uh, like hey have you heard this right Mm -hmm. that's really where it stems from so that's kind of where it started and I've uh, taking that through until when I was in the Navy and uh, didn't have room for turntables or any of that. Uh, went digital for a couple of years, played a couple little things sparingly in Japan. Uh, you know, before the internet was, was as weighty as it is today in the music field of everyone's minds where everyone's got a personalized Spotify playlist and stuff like that, you couldn't really carry a DJ name internationally very well. <laughs> so, and that was, it's never been something that I've ever done for the sake of the DJ career, ever. Uh, I would never really want to, quote unquote, make it as a DJ. I've thought about this for years. It's just never, like, I still enjoy going out to parties, and I think that would ruin it for me. Oh, because uh, as a DJ, you would constantly be at parties? Yeah, and... it's, it's opened great doors for me, but I've never walked through a door I didn't want to walk through for other reasons. Well, like, that's I a from, really great way of putting from it. From the comedy point of view, so Amanda and I, you know, do sketch comedy. I've done stand up. I, I do know this. Shows. I've seen this yeah. stand up. <laughs> yeah. It's and, fantastic. Oh, thank you. I haven't done it in like a year, but yeah, thank you. That's sad. Um, you should get out more. Oh, thanks. Um, but it kind of does ruin it to a, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Like the last thing I want to do on a night off is go to go to a stand up show or go to a sketch show because I see it all the fucking time and yep. I know how things work. So when I see like a sketch work, I can say that's why that hits. And it kind of it does. It's you like look I love behind the curtain. You I, look behind the curtain. You look behind the curtain, and it's it almost takes away your love of the thing. If that yep. makes any sense. Oh, totally. 
And I, I totally get that. Yeah. I get that on so yeah, many there's levels. That, there's that magic. And like protecting the magic is really important, I think. And that's going to circle back to the festivals. Yeah. But uh, there's there's an importance to me about being a DJ who only very specifically plays what I want people to hear. Yeah. There's a power in that. I mean, I don't like on the entire hobby of DJing, I'm at a net loss, like like financially. Like the amount of money, <laughs> the amount of money that I've spent over, you know, like 15 years or something like that now. Hey, same. I same mean, yeah, I get that. Even I today, I couldn't afford my own music habit. Like, I, <clears throat> like, let's be honest. If I couldn't rip stuff off the internet, I would not have stuff to play. I, I just, I can't drop 30 bucks every week to just be fresh enough to care about what I'm playing. Hashtag real talk. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag real talk. Yeah. So, so what ended up being your like when? So when you are playing a festival, what what seems to be like uh, the standout moment for you as a DJ? Like something so, like a festival you really yeah. dug. So the standout moment for me for DJing, this would be like the definitive number one if I had to pick one, uh, would be Lightning in a Bottle, two thousand fourteen. Nice. Uh, Lib. Yeah. I haven't been there yet either. That was my first one, uh, and I only went because I had been invited to come DJ. By a guy that I met at that same canyon in Mexico. Uh, Big things happen for you in Mexico. You know, either, either, <laughs> yeah, either, yeah, yep, <laughs> yep. yep. Profound silence. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Not sure where I wanted to go with that one, but just yeah. Yeah. Just positive so, about that statement. So, lightning in a bottle. What is that festival, and why was it so special to you? So, lightning in a bottle, 2014. Uh, it was. Quite an experience. To give a quick rundown of that, the night before uh, we left, my uh, my girlfriend at the time and I, uh, my girlfriend at the time had come down with a bad fever the night we were supposed to leave. It was like 100 degrees. And I was like, there's no way we're going. Mm. She's like, we have to go. I'll, I'll take some time and I'll, I'll be fine. I'll sleep and the, you know, I'll be okay. I'm like, okay. All right. Like, I don't like this, but we're going to do this. So uh, Friday night was pretty relaxed. You know, we saw some things and went back and hung out. Uh, Saturday night, she's uh, going to bed because her fever's still kind of bad. And I was walking over to the woogie stage, which I was camped by. And I was walking by the medical tent, which was uh, being run by uh, my friend and, and old roommate, Wolverine, uh, Richard Gottlieb. And he uh, he kind of signals to me and waves at me. And he's like, hey, what's going on? Hey, Griff, come over here. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? How you doing? And he's like, uh, are you sober? <laughs> yeah. I said, ish. I was like, what you know? What do I need to do? And he goes, uh, "Here are keys to that Kubota, like a golf cart. Here's a walkie-talkie. Here's a medic shirt. There's two people that are having trouble breathing in the middle of the thunder stage. There's about ten thousand people there. Go get them. Bring them back here. Okay. <laughs> sure. So I became an impromptu on-the-spot medic, um, and had I don't know some twelve patients or something. My second patient was about four hundred pounds, probably about six foot six. He's being held down at a picnic table by some cops because he had taken oh my god, who knows how much acid. I got oh. back. I got back with the two people barely breathing. And he said, "That's your patient." So the the four hundred pound guy. Yeah, it's just yeah. tripping. Yeah, oh yeah, God. tripping bad. But I've oh. always kind of been able to you know dig around in people's heads and kind of hey, what's going on, dude? So that kind of became a specialty of mine. It's kind of dealing with people that are what they call green dots, which is uh, out of this reality. Green oh. dots, not in green touch. Dots. Green dots, green dots, um, and that comes in many forms. And there's a lot of. Uh, a lot that can be said about that in general, uh, but I've had a lot of interesting kind of on-the-spot experiences where you come across someone or you get thrown into a medical kind of helpful situation, and uh, I don't know. It's something that uh, is a talent of mine, I would say, just being able to calm them down and try to get some information out of them. That's good. The, the trick to that is you, you trick them. Uh, uh, you, how? Oh, yeah, how? Yeah. Uh, you don't ask them, you know, uh, where they camped. You know, you, you, have, to, you have to break it down. Uh, hey, your buddy uh, said he's in your tent. Uh, I don't have a tent, but an RV or something like that. All right, now you're, now you're getting somewhere. Yeah. All right, hey, your girlfriend's looking for you. What? I don't have a girlfriend. Okay, that helps. And you just start kind of uh, leading them questions or leading them answers and kind of seeing what the response is. You could slowly, slowly get some info out of them. So you, you were a medic at lightning in a bottle. Medic at lightning in a bottle. So worked all night, straight through the night. Uh, got asked to play uh, an impromptu sunrise set. Did that oh. for about two or three hours. Sunrise Whoa. sets are the best. Sunrise sets were great. What's a sunrise set for somebody um, who's never gone to a festival such as myself? Right. <laughs> I think I'm assuming uh, there's, sun, there's a sunrise. Okay. You'd be correct. <laughs> okay. So far, like every day. Um, <laughs> it happens. Yeah. No, I don't know. Do Unless we... you're far enough north, I guess. <laughs> um, so did play a, a sunrise set, I would like to say, is a genre unto itself. but uh, It kind of is, actually. Yeah. In my experience with sunrise sets, they're usually a lot more mellow. Mm. It's kind of like a welcoming of the day. Opposed, building. 
Yeah, yeah, opposed to like during the night when it's a little bit more heavy, a little bit more like high energy. A sunrise set's a little bit more mellow and right. a little bit more like, ah. You can always equate music and DJ sets in my mind to sex. It's, it's a direct comparison. Sure. Morning sex, nighttime sex. Morning set, nighttime set, sex. It's, it's, it's very simple. Same with the building and the foreplay and the, the everything. Hmm. It's very, I mean, basically, in a, in a, in, to sum it all up, you're trying your best to fuck the shit out of the crowd with music. Nice. I'm going so now. Morning, yep. you gotta be gentle. Yep. Morning, you gotta be yep. gentle. Morning, you gotta eat. Morning, well, yeah. I mean, like, wake him up, let him go pee, you know, and then like, hey, <laughs> you're gonna need some water. That's really the nice The sun's of coming you. up. It's gonna get hot soon. Yeah. Take some of those clothes off. Okay. And and a, a sunrise that's very important for the entire festival, especially some of the smaller ones where you're not so much playing to a dance floor. You're you're really setting the soundtrack to the festival. Wow. I mean, if it's 500 people and there's one stage, you're playing the soundtrack that everyone's waking up and hopefully fucking to. And it's very simple. If if the DJ is not doing what they should be doing, people are coming out of their tents, they're sweating, they're fighting, you know, they're like whatever, cramming some food down. And if you know it's done right, people are smiling, dancing, making some coffee, you know. Yeah. And it's totally, totally about that. It's about setting that energy, setting that tone, and just bringing people through what you think they should be doing, which is what they want to be doing anyway. That is so cool. I didn't know that was a thing, and that so- that sells me on all festivals. I'll send you some good sunrise sets. I love yeah. that. They're good. Thanks. We got spoiled with Pumpkin and Roboto. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that, that they showed me all that. Um, so LIB, it sounds like you were an impromptu medic. You were uh, then an yeah. impromptu yeah. sunrise set, DJ. Yep. So is, is there a theme here with yep. LIB 2014? There is, but uh, so the next part of that and the last part of that story, which is why it was so uh, cool, the, I had gotten asked to, to go, to go DJ, and that was a Sunday night set, and it was supposed to be one hour. Uh, to wrap up the first part of that, it ended up just not meeting my uh, expectations, which I had kept pretty, pretty light. Uh, I showed up to DJ, and there was still like some course going on on the stage and it was you know late it wasn't exactly what i wanted i didn't get the response i went there wasn't as many people as i wanted you know it just wasn't quite why i took on this arduous drive to go do this with taking care of my girlfriend and all of this stuff so i'm wrapping up this dj set kind of there's you know 20 30 people kind of dancing around and i faded out and a friend of mine uh, pietro he goes hey there's no one playing after you keep going i was like um okay why not <laughs> why not right. there's 20 30 people here Fuck it. Right? Yeah, do it. Right? right? Yeah. So uh, I turned up some music and then turned it immediately back up and said, I need whiskey and coffee and turned it back up. Nice. <laughs> and uh, so about 20 minutes later, there was like 100 people there. Nice. About an hour later, there was like 300 people there. Nice. Two hours after that, there was probably 1,200 people there. Whoa. Uh, and the last hour, uh, the the – the boys who uh, started Lightning in a Bottle, the, the twins, uh, had come over, and there was a lady there who was trying to shut down the stage, and because they had, it was permit time, like they had to shut off the whole festival, had to go dark at four a.m. And they said, "No, not just keep going." And I was the last DJ that got to play this huge, crazy crowd that just kept going until uh, like five something in the morning, just like four hour rampant. And that was kind of it as a DJ for me. That that moment where I realized that at least in this time and place, it's not about playing what I think they want to hear. It's the fact that. I've connected with this music, and they're connecting with it too. So it's really about you know the sound that I connected with that I can refine into a one piece of cohesive something. Cohesive thought. That and that's like the thing about like DJ. I so you're one of couple DJ people that I know, DJs that I know. Yeah. And like that's part of your art form that I've always found really uh, compelling is that you really have this ability to connect with people through music and take them on this journey when it's done really well and i think what you just described is that magic moment that you can that you experience as a dj just like when you're a comic and you do a set that fucking kills like one of my best when i was doing stand-up a lot in new york one of the best things i ever did when I was getting ready to move out to LA, I was doing catering gigs and I was like, fuck me. Like I'm doing catering gigs again. Yeah. Like what the fuck? But I had people stop in uh, at the table I was working in my catering booth and they were like, oh, I saw your stand-up set last week. It was fucking amazing. And I'm That's like- That's awesome. And I was you like, get cuss oh. words, you know you're doing good. And I was like, yeah. yes. Yes, like it's that kind of yeah. stuff that's that that makes the art and the money pit of yep. your artistic hobby worth doing when people yeah. just when they connect to your art form on such a core level yeah. and 
that's why DJing to me, I think, is is really great. I like the words that people use. Like the more violent their their language, like you killed it, you fucking <laughs> yeah. slayed it. You're like, okay, but why is it like you did a fantastic? You know, that was really nice. Yeah, that was really good. You really yeah. put a smile on everyone's face. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm gonna say, you really put a smile on everyone's yeah. face. Yeah, you did a great positive thing great. there, chap. Well, look at you, uh, hey, Buckaroo. It's uh, yeah, I slayed it, like <laughs> killed it. That's awesome that you're able to connect with people on such a level, and it just shows like how primal music actually is. Absolutely, and uh, recently I've been going back and, and editing uh, weird footage. Like, so think of Soul Train, but then uh, edit the video to like some of my DJ sets. Well, I found that not only Soul Train, but a uh, uh, bluegrass. And also, like, uh, 1990s electro. I'm finding that a lot of music is played at similar BPMs throughout, you know, the modern age. So there seems to be, like, a common theme that people want to get moving at a similar kind of speed. Whoa. Beats per minute. For anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. Beats per minute. Yeah. BPMs. That's, so what's the, what's the BPM? Like, what's the universal? So there's no, like, real universal. But I mean, it's always between. Uh, and remember, you can, you can multiply them. So if, if it's 60, it's also 120. Because mm-hmm. you can dance to different parts of the beat you know i like to play around with that until i see some knees and elbows fucking moving but uh <laughs> i mean that's kind yeah. of my goal yeah, really but, i don't like i don't want you tapping your foot or wagging your finger that's uh that's jazz that's not what we're doing here so like as a dj who's looking out at a crowd how tuned are you in to the way people are moving is that something that you're constantly monitoring during your set it sh- and this is again where i always equate this back to sex whereas if, if you see a dj who's just doing what they want to do that's fine but that's called masturbation <laughs> Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's a <laughs> menage yeah. a un, and uh, and that's fine. But if you're getting paid to make people dance, or you're getting paid to make people move, you should do that. I think that there's only three objectives when DJing, and that should be get them sweaty, get them weird, or get them laid, or any combination of those three. Otherwise, you should put on an iPod or a band or something else. I love that. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love yeah. that. There's times to get sweaty. There's times to get weird. There's times to get sweaty weird. There's times to get laid. There's times to get sweaty laid. Yeah, <laughs> and laid weird, weird laid, absolutely weird, sweaty laid, weird, sweaty laid. Love That's it. hashtag Friday night. <laughs> I gotta stop using the hashtag. It's like no, it was, it was tongue in cheek. Like, okay. sweaty laid dot com. Sweaty laid dot com. Which, by the way, shout out. I had a, uh, I, ha- I had an interesting joke a couple weeks back where someone said like, "Oh, I'm sex positive." I said, "Girl, that's nothing. I'm anal positive." Total joke, right? <laughs> Hilarious to me. I laughed. They sure. laughed. It was great. Anal positive. It was funny. So then I, I, I was talking to a friend about that. I was like, you know what? I wonder if that's a hashtag. Looked it up. Never even been hashtag before. Ever, Whoa. ever, ever. So next party that I was at, I was tell- talking to another friend. I was like, that's never been hashtagged. I don't know. There's 25 million people just in LA. How has no one been anal positive before? <laughs> and she says, get that URL right now. <gasps> nice. I now own analpositive.com. Nice. Wonderful. I have no idea what that is. To me, it's just a joke. And I then made an Instagram, and I was following all my mother's friends. Like, what, who is anal positive? Why are they following me? And then my mom spilled the beans on me. That's hilarious. Uh, so, so we can find you on that, is you what can. you're saying. You, you can just hashtag analpositive, and it will just populate analpositive.com. Yeah. I think I think at some point what I'll do is I'll sell the URL to whatever it grows to, and I'll I'll donate that money to some kind of STD or AIDS organization to give them the URL. But uh Nice. I, I don't know. Yeah, anal, you know, everyone's got one. Don't be negative about it. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, In fact, be positive about right? it. Right? I mean, it's just an orifice. <gasps> All right, we have a couple of minutes left. <laughs> so is there anything else that you want to talk about? Um, well, I mean, we did have notes here. Um, <laughs> notes that you opened and then promptly put on the table. <laughs> like, yeah, like kind of went it. through. Like, there's a lot I could talk about here. What makes a good DJ? What makes a good festival? What makes a good festival? It's great. What makes a good festival. I uh, my notes here say connection, soul, positivity, humanity. Aww. So connection is very important. If you go to, I don't want to throw anything under the bus here, but if you go to something big and loud with a big faceless crowd, homogenous dark crowds, like for instance uh, Coachella, it might be a great. I don't call it a festival. That's a that's a big long concert with half a million people. You might meet some really cool people there. They might yeah. be plur, and they might be. They may be anal positive. They, you know, they're probably not. <laughs> but when it trends. And the trick to that is I just need to get that Donald Trump's mouth. That's that's my goal. <laughs> North Korea, super anal positive. You know, if you're not pushing yourself, and that would be my my uh, advice to anyone who hasn't been to a music festival that wants to attend one, is pick something challenging. Don't go to something that's an hour away or easy or with a bunch of friends or something. 
go for it. Like pick something wild to go for it. Find something that's going to be better for you as an experience than going to any country in the world. You're going to get more out of it. You're going to learn more from it. And that's what you'll find is probably the most pleasing is that the more challenging it is to do, the more you'll get out of it. I love that. That is true. That's very true for Burning Man. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the rigors of doing it, it wouldn't be worth doing. Exactly. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to plug or promote? Um, I'm doing a radio show on 88.9 KXLU tonight. with. Uh... Oh, this will be out tomorrow. Oh, well, then last night I'm going to stream it. I'll record it. And it'll be up on my SoundCloud. There you go. Vitamin G, right? Vitamin G. So actually there's a poll right now on Facebook. So if, uh, if any of you, you people out there uh, are able to find vitamin hyphen G on Facebook or SoundCloud, uh, there's a poll, which I'm not really sure what to do with the vitamin G name. It was hilarious when I was 15. <laughs> hilarious. And it used to be spelled very oddly. Uh, and these days, it's just I get too many people like, is that like GHB? I'm like, no. I mean, not no, but like, yeah, but no, no. <laughs> it's not what that was about. Um, also, your name begins with a G. I mean, that's it where does. my that's where my mind yeah. went. It does. Uh, but if you know people don't know your name, like vitamin G. Um, so I don't know. I kind of half went through changing that, and I'm not sure if I'm gonna keep it. A lot of people said they like it, so there's a poll. Uh, but feel free to check SoundCloud for uh, all kinds of funky music uh the host of the radio show i'm gonna go to tonight or last night if you're listening to this now uh he calls it squirt house squirt house which i appreciate yeah yeah we came up with that on on a different radio show a long time ago and i think it's hilarious because everyone wants to talk genre what kind of music do you play squirt house walk away (laughs) (laughs) you know deep techie funk whatever genres are made to sell records it's a holdover from record stores where you had to go find a record it's pointless. Oh. I'd rather not call something deep, chunky, soulful tech. It's just like, that's called Outcast and like it's a remix. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Shazam? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Cool. Um, Great. And we're yeah. actually going to play one of your uh, one of your mixes to outro this. So everyone can just keep on listening and hear it. Sweet. Sweet. Thanks yeah. so much for coming, Greg. Absolutely. Thank this you for having so me. so great. Thanks Thank so you.
and gentlemen, most people record songs about love.
saying please don't take that road Nowadays you got me tripping so you can do what you want Now I see that you will never ever understand Just too blind to see the truth that's right in front of you I don't care about the things that you just said to me And I don't care about the way that I'm making you feel I don't care about the nasty things you've done to me And I don't care about your problems I gave you
The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit nerdistschool.com.